Welcome to the Mile High Church Podcast. You know, we have an old saying about the offering plate. If you have a little something, put it in. If you need a little something, take it out. I know that doesn't sound fully in integrity, but I think Mile High Church is like that. And so know that we are here for you to take a little something out in terms of our podcasts, our services, our classes, or to put a little something in. And so if you're experiencing abundance in your life, we so appreciate you choosing to share it with us, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars through milehighchurch.org. If you're even able to make it a consistent regular donation, we appreciate it even more. So Hope you get a lot out of today's podcast. And we are in an annual tradition. We have our Back to Basics series where these four Sundays of January, we really focus on the basics of our teaching. Our theme this year is Four Spiritual Rights of Thriving. And I love this theme, especially that thriving part, because I believe that those who really practice and live from our teachings learn how to thrive in their life no matter what. Whether life is great or life is challenging, or there are things to discover, things to grow through, things to learn about. A person who has these spiritual tools and practices and deepenings in their life can learn to thrive and move through the, the things that come up for themselves. And so this is a really great time to deepen our understanding of our principles and just keep going deeper. That's the other thing about basics is no matter how advanced you think you are spiritually, nope, there's always things to learn. There's always a deeper place to go. Just like Jamie's song, if God is infinite, it's an infinite presence. You and I have never gotten to the place where we're done with it. So there's always an opportunity for any of us to go deeper. And today, our message is really about the creative process. It's about from, with, from without to within, the power within you. It is a cornerstone of our teaching that you heard Reverend Josh talk about last week. The way we define God, the principle, the presence, you've heard it throughout our whole service today, is not just a presence that's out there. Yes, everything we see in the universe represents the infinite, but everything that is seen has come into being through the experience of the divine through human beings having a consciousness and creating through our consciousness is our relationships, our life, the life we create together on this earth. It's all about learning and understanding that principle. And many spiritual teachers have told us this. Most of them have told us this in one way or another. If we go back to the teachings of Buddha, Buddha says, all that we are is the result of what we have thought, what we think we become. Does that sound familiar? Jesus, the great master teacher, is fond of saying a number of times throughout the Gospels, it is done unto you as you believe. He said that to different people throughout his ministry, and that was a belief that he had, and it's a belief that we teach from here. It is done to us as we believe. Not as we would like or as we would wish or as we hope it will be, but as we believe. And then our own founder, Ernest Holmes, my favorite quote of his, Reverend Josh told you last week, and I'm going to repeat again, that God can only do for us what it can do through us. Through us. And I like that Ernest Holmes refers to God as it. I have never been very fond of, of calling God by a pronoun, gender pronoun, he or she. 
I believe that God is this transcendent presence and that we define it. We, it moves through us and our consciousness, which is our whole seat of belief and ideas, individually, collectively, becomes the creative process through which it expresses itself into being. And so we are a place, we are an instrument of the divine that as it expresses, we give it energy by our beliefs and our ideas and our attitudes and our energy and our convictions. And the very first part of the science of mind, our our core book that we study of Ernest Holmes, he talks about that thought creates based on your energy, the, the patterns of repetitiveness, you think it, the convictions you have behind it. And some of us have some pretty strong convictions, don't we? And sometimes our convictions are, life is good and I, I'm filled with possibility and I'm going for it. And other convictions are, it's horrible. That's, that's just bad. Everywhere you go, it's all falling apart and everybody hates each other. And no matter what your convictions are, you get to experience that because it can only do for us what it can do through us. So if this is true, we spend a lot of time in our teaching really seeking to better understand what, what really is going on inside of me because the biggest uh, biggest challenge, of course, is we think we know. We think we know what we think, and we think we know what we believe. But I just want to ask, has anybody ever had something happened in your life that you go, I don't remember thinking that. I don't remember believing anything about that. So I'm talking today also not about what you and I think we know about ourselves and our life and what we really believe, but what's going on at the deeper level of our being. And the dissonance between what we think we know and what's really going on is what we're seeking to minimize. We're seeking in our spiritual work to bring things together so that there's an aspect of us that can know what it knows that it knows, but can also ferret out what it doesn't know that it knows and bring that up into the light to be seen and to be danced with and to be healed and to be to be to be transformed be transformed by the renewing of your mind that is what he meant by that such that we can then become a different instrument, a more tuned instrument, tuned in a different way, tuned towards good, tuned towards possibility, tuned towards abundance, tuned towards love and joy and all of the things that we say we want to experience, but we are getting in our own way because we still have beliefs from the past, ideas from the past, and things that no longer serve us. And so our teaching and our services and our classes and our small groups, it's always about that holy, sacred work. And then below the surface, even of that deeper mind, it's the divine. It's the God in us as us. It's the the essence, it's the soul, it's the, the presence, it's the beloved. It's who we are at the core. And the more we connect to that and live in that and from that and as that, the happier and more rich our life can be.
So how do we do that? Well, our materials this week, and indeed, if you go online to our website, there's materials that support every one of our talks. Some of you are in small groups, and so you're encountering the materials there, but the materials are available to be downloaded for anyone who would like them. And in the materials, there's a a structure that is very helpful that can be used during this time. We use it in different classes and and different experiences called the, the four... Uh, the four stages of consciousness. And in the materials, also, there's a quote from Ernest Holmes that, that supports our talk this week. He says, The spiritual life never requires that we go without, but that we learn to turn within and learn by doing so, blessings begin to reveal themselves all around us. And so we can use the work of these four stages of consciousness to support us in our journey. The four stages is an ancient idea. It's not something that Holmes created. It's been brought forth by many teachers throughout the ages. It's an ancient metaphor that's appeared in almost every spiritual teaching in one form or another. And this concept was popularized in the 20th century by the modern European mystic G.I. Gurdjieff. However, its roots are linked back into one of the most ancient of all the sacred scriptures of the Vedic tradition, the Katha Upanishad. And for those of you who've taken the financial freedom class with me, you might recognize this as the coach to everywhere. When we talked about the coach, right, and the moving through consciousness, and it shows up in so many ways. And so I'm going to use this, 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 opportunity to explore the the four areas of consciousness with not only teaching what they are, but teaching a very personal story of my own development and evolution in one of the most painful stories of my life, in a story that's at the core of my life, and it has to do with my relationship with my father. My father and my mother uh, had me, their firstborn child, when they were teenagers. They were 17, 18, respectively. They were very ill-equipped to be parents, as young teenagers often are, and they both had different issues that played into the challenges they faced. But my father also had uh, parenting that was a lot of anger, some addiction, all sorts of challenges that went on there that I don't even know that I know the full scope of. But what this meant was that my father, being this young man with this brand new baby and this family to take care of, allowed his anger and rage to be what he led with. With my mother physically abusing her and with me uh, yelling and screaming was the norm and manipulation and uh, fear tactics. And as we grew older, as I had a brother and a sister, as we grew older, uh, lots of threats, though he never beat us or hurt us. He would throw uh, full pop cans at us if we weren't doing what he wanted, flick cigarettes at us and yell and scream at us. And in our life, for me, our family life was often very scary, very scary, because I never knew how he was going to behave. And I learned, I learned to be psychic because I learned to figure out what kind of mood he was in right away so that I could behave the way that I should be, so that I could avoid the violence if at all possible. And so I spent my young life often being very frozen. I did not know how to express myself. I did not know how to express my emotions as I grew older because I was just so afraid. And I know for those of you who know me and how much I talk, you can hardly believe that's true. 
Let's just call that a measure of my healing, shall we? (laughs) And this teaching has been a part of that for sure because the first kingdom of consciousness, as I came into this teaching as a 15-year-old, and boy, was I angry. I was angry at my father. I was angry at life. I was angry at men. I was so angry at men and figured that every man must be like my father and so reacted to men in the same way and had a hard time navigating myself through life. And so I come into this teaching and they're talking about all these principles that can heal my life and I was kind of skeptical but something rang true for me and that's what kept me here. There was something inside of me that said, I'm home. I don't even know what this place is. And some of what they're saying sounds a little gibberish to me, but I'm home. And I stuck with it. And I was passionately here and participating in church and began to take classes. And I encountered immediately the first kingdom of consciousness, which is called the to-me kingdom. In the to-me kingdom, people relate to life like everything's happening to me that people are doing things to me. Life is just chaos and just happens chaotically and things just happen and you have no control and you have no authority over your own life and you just have to deal with what comes your way, kind of like a tennis player and the balls are coming and you're hitting them and you're doing your best and you're doing your best to stay out of trouble. But it's also a very victim-y place because it's a feeling of powerlessness. Now, with all of these kingdoms, I do want to say that there are times where there may be one kingdom that kind of resonates with us through our whole life. Like, for example, have you ever known someone who, they were experts in this kingdom, victims to the core. Everything that happens to them is all about who did what to them today, who said what to them today, what happened to them today. And then there are, there are times when we move in and out of the kingdoms based on the subject. You know, so like with my relationship with my father, I was totally stuck in to me consciousness in the negative aspect of that. But in other areas, I could kind of see the light when I came here. Oh, Oh, really? But I was stuck in the Tumi consciousness. So I was in that anger, in that pisosity about my father. He did it to me. He didn't do me right. He didn't raise me right. What was wrong with him? And you know what? All that's totally valid. Totally valid. That's what's so. Those were my feelings. And I came in and recognized it. And that literally was a wake up for me to go, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of in a place of victimhood. And here's the thing about these kingdoms also. Wherever you are in the kingdom, because the infinite presence is acting through you, guess what you get more of? <laughs> right? Wherever you are. So the more you and I are in that negative victim space, the more we get of it. Because the law of attraction and the divine presence that is operating in, through, and as us can only operate through us. And if that's the fodder, the storyline we give it, if that's the energy we give it, if that's the belief we give it, yes, you may have more of that. Of course, my beloved. And so the minute we start to wake up and say, well, maybe there could be a different way. And for me, one of the ways that woke me up is that I began to 
go to classes. I thought, well, I'm going to try those practitioner people. You know, when they come up after church and they're here to pray, I personally think they should be, we should slam them. We should be all in lines waiting to be prayed for because it is the most transformative thing in the world to allow ourselves to be prayed for. It's a wake up. It's a shift in our energy for any area that we want to begin to make this shift. And I began to work with a practitioner and I began to do my personal work and I began to go to workshops and went to therapy and went to classes and I kind of woke up and as I looked at my life, I went, wait a minute now. I had a younger sister and my father did the same things to both of us. And when he did what he did, I would, and my sister would basically go at him. And her attitude was sort of like, what an idiot he is. What is wrong with him? You know, it was like, I don't think it kind of phased her near as much as it did me. And I'm not saying she's right and I'm wrong or I'm, but I saw, oh, there was a different, I could have reacted differently. I thought the only choice I had was to be a victim. I thought the only choice I had was to feel horrified and justified and righteous and angry because that's who I was becoming. I was becoming just like him because I couldn't let it go. And so I had to move into the next consciousness, the next kingdom of consciousness, which this community lovingly sort of kicked my butt into, was the kingdom of, of by me. What I do matters. I have responsibility for myself and my life. I can make a difference to myself and others. I could see the trauma and drama I'd experienced it. I could honor it. I could be with it. And you know what? You can't do this. You can't force that. We offer this over and over again so that some moment for any of us who are right now going through trauma, drama, feeling victimized, feeling betrayed, feeling abused, feeling hurt, feeling discounted, disenfranchised, whatever that story is, we offer over and over again the invitation to say, we love you right where you are. It's okay. You belong here. We can be with you. We can have compassion for you. We can love you. And when you are ready... Might you consider stepping into a new kingdom of consciousness? What might it, might, might it take? That's the invitation today. If I understand that life is operating through me and I'm in a certain experience, what might it take for me to move forward in it? Might it take considering my own responsibility for my feelings and my emotions for feeling them, I, I had to learn to process them fully as I did not know how to do as a child. I had to learn to own them fully as I could not do as a child. I had to claim my voice. I had to claim and own my emotions. And I had to understand that I had a right to choose the life that I wanted to live. And when I made that choice, something began to happen. Something began to shift my outer relationships began to shift. My beliefs about myself, my confidence began to grow. I began to live a completely different life. And I began to have a completely different relationship with life, with men, with my whole experience. Ernest Holmes says, change your thinking, change your life. That's what he means. When we begin to say, what 
has to happen for me to heal and let go of my own victim story. We find ourselves owning our story more fully and living from it from a place of empowerment that we couldn't do when we were in the midst of it. But we can do now with hindsight as we look back on it. And it allows us to then move through the next kingdom, which is what our, the core of our message is today, the through me kingdom, where I recognize that I am an instrument of the creative process. And if I want more good in my life, I've got to own it, claim it, and understand that I can shift my consciousness. I'm participating in that which happens in my life. I can take steps to shift the energy and change the outcome. And this is where my meditation began to deepen. And I began to touch into that deeper aspect of me, that divine presence that is operating through me. And you know what it said? Can you forgive him? Can you pray for him? Can you let go and see him as a divine instrument of God? I went in and out of this kingdom, I will tell you the truth, in and out until eventually, eventually this became the norm. And I began to see my father every time I talked to him or heard from him, not as that scared, ill-equipped, angry 17-year-old man, but I rather began to see him as the grown-up man he'd become. I still had loving, fierce boundaries with him for myself and for my own son, but I, but I was able to see something different, and that healed me. And then not only that, I was able to see so clearly the amazing, loving men who were in my life and who supported me all the way on my journey, though I was projecting onto them my to-me consciousness, and I began to let them in and feel supported and loved. And some of them are in this very room. Men that made such a difference in just being there for me and showing me love in ways my father wasn't able to do. And I began to feel that and allow that to heal me. And then the last kingdom is the kingdom of as me. I am that which God is. This is the kingdom where I believe Jesus lived from, healed from, spoke from, ministered from. And I admit, not the kingdom yet that I can live from 24-7. I seek to do that as I believe many spiritual seekers do. And it takes inner work. But it is the kingdom that allowed me to sense the deeper elements of my soul that could say, oh... There is something powerful and magnificent that was birthed in me through my relationship with my father that I would never want to have taken away from me. It's a strength. It's a power. It's a compassion and support for other people. It's the ability to stand with other people no matter what they've gone through because I've walked through hell myself. And therefore, as I've stepped out of it, I can stand with people in hell who are walking through that stuff. And then I could also discover the aspect of me that I know lives in all of us, that despite what has happened, 
has never been touched, has never been harmed, has never been hurt. And the more I can live from that, I am that which God is. And I can live from that powerfully. And this is the invitation this week, to live from within. What would it take for me to make these shifts in these various kingdoms of consciousness? What would it take for me to let go and move forward and rise up into this greater aspect of myself? And when I do this, and when others have done this, the peace and the joy and the living of life is dramatically different. If we were the kind of church that offered up testimonies on Sundays, I believe we'd have people up here testifying about the power of the inner presence that is within them, right? Yeah. yeah. Because we know it, we've seen it, we've experienced it, we've lived it. And when we learn to do this in any place in our lives, we can do it in every place in our lives. This is the work that is afoot for us. This is what our teaching, our classes, our services are all about. And this is what we invite you to contemplate in this week ahead. I'd like to close from uh, the book that uh, we're reading in my Powering uh, Your Decisions class by Raymond Charles Barker. I'm reading the book to prep for class, and I just loved what he said here. He says, I know hundreds of people who have proven this larger I am consciousness concept to be the turning point in their lives. It reversed their whole basis of making decisions. They ceased their worship of the past. They ceased their fear of the future. They canceled out all fear of death. They decided to be called in their world because they now realized that they were their world. They were no longer people experiencing life. They were life experiencing itself. They were their own saviors, their own saints. They needed no messiahs knowing themselves in God, as God. They placed no lesser gods before themselves. This is the power within us. I invite us to pray now, invite our practitioner prayer partners to join me in this prayerful consciousness as we just breathe into it now and allow ourselves to feel our energy sink down into the depths of beingness. Breathing in, through, and from this place of oneness and connectedness, for we recognize that this God presence, this infinite intelligence, this life that exists, exists everywhere, including right where we are, that it is operating in and through and as us. And in this moment, as we feel that inner yes calling us to greater living in different areas of our life or in our life in total, we now operate in and, and allow this energy that is already flowing through us to have a new channel, a new way of expressing. And we are a part of allowing that and bringing that forth and giving that expression a space in the world. And for every moment we do this, we come into alignment with the greatest truth of who we are. And for every moment that we do this, we become a healing presence on this beautiful earth in every relationship, in every activity, in every bit of the work that we do here on this beautiful planet. We are that which God is. It is that which we are. 
We accept this. We know this. And I affirm this week, as we are filled with the awareness of this presence, that it allows us to contemplate and make new decisions for ourselves about different areas of our life. And even if we don't know how to make the change that we seek to experience, I accept and affirm that a willingness rises up in us now to be willing to walk forward anew in new energy, in new light, in new wholeness. It is inspired in us right now through the power and the presence that is expressing itself fully and completely as us in this moment that is whispering to us, come forward, my beloved. Let's live life in its fullness now, now. And so we give thanks for this presence. We give thanks for its light in us. We give thanks for our own consciousness. And we release this prayer into the action of that law that simply makes it so. We let it go. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.